we could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thought, 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 thought. Boom, Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show, live from Salt River Fields. It is Wolf and Luke on a Monday morning as the uh, D-backs get set to take on the Chicago Cubs this afternoon. And then West Virginia this evening, Wolf. Figured you might uh, we actually about West Virginia. Yes, we say West by God. I know what Virginia, you say. Of course. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. I, I don't have to talk it's about West Virginia. It's West Virginia. The pride of every mountaineer. Just okay, that's enough. To double check real quick, did West Virginia hit any 60-foot uh, buzzer beaters uh, to win games over the rivals <laughs> over the weekend? No, they did not. Okay. How sweet it is. Uh, that's nice. And we'll get back into that. And like I said, Tim Healy is going to join us in a little bit. Thanks to uh, Dave Pash for joining us. And we're out here. We're going to talk some, uh, some D-backs, but right Right now, Wolf, we're going to talk a little Cardinals because there is a story out there that I don't, I don't think is a surprise to anybody, and it's it's not like something that hasn't been discussed. But now we're, you know, Combine's starting up this week. you got the um, draft isn't that far away, a little bit less than two months away at this point. And there's a story out there on ESPN citing Adam Schefter saying that uh, the Bears are getting calls on the number one pick, as you would expect, yeah. and they are, quote, leaning toward, unquote, moving it. Okay. Um, you know, is this a surprise to anybody out there? I don't think it is. Uh, you've got Justin Fields as your quarterback right now, and we all know there's a couple of quarterbacks, including C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, quarterbacks that are going to be coveted. Uh, everyone expects the Houston Texans, of course, drafting number two, to possibly take, stay there and take one of those quarterbacks. Um, you never know what's going to happen, of course, but yeah, I, I can imagine this is about the time you want to put a for sale sign out in front of your house when you've got the number one pick and you've got a quarterback that you may want to see develop and build around now. It's a bit of a gamble with Justin Fields. It is by the Bears. It's a bit of a gamble. Um, Who knows how good he's going to be. He was, to me, below average last year. Yeah, he's an exciting player. I mean, some of the stuff he does is is amazing. Some of the stuff he does you just don't see on, on the NFL field very often, but that tends to be his ability to run and to just rip off 100 yards a game as a quarterback. Um, I would imagine that's a little more difficult if you're a Bears fan, and I'm sure there will be plenty of Chicago fans walking around here in about an hour and a half, so maybe we can ask him. But um, it's it, he's one of those players that's fun to flip on red zone and see, oh, yeah, Justin Fields just broke off a 57-yard run. Sure. But if you're trying to win games, well, they obviously are picking first, so they didn't win a ton of games last year. I'm not pinning that all on him, but it's if you have your franchise quarterback, you, you tend to not be picking first overall, right? I would assume the Bears are going to move this pick, um, but there's two ways you could do it, right? If you're trying to drive up the value, you could go with the, oh, there's no way we're trading this pick. We love Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. Or you could go this way where it's, boy, so many teams are calling about the number one overall pick. If you yeah. want the number one, you better beat 12 teams that are making us offers already. I like the way you're thinking right now. You're, you're thinking of the why. Why are we going to do this right now in PR? Yeah, this is so good. This why, is grassy knoll. This, yeah, this is kind of grassy knoll stuff right here. Working with you for here. a year and a half, I start to think this way about this. 
things now. Yeah, no, I love it, man. I really do. Um, it makes perfect sense for the Bears to let everyone know this is what we're going to You don't have to accept it. You don't. You don't have to accept any deal that is out there. That's the reason why you're going to put the for sale sign out there. Why wouldn't you is the question I would ask you. What? Do you think you might actually get a deal that is so juicy, that is so good, that you're going to go ahead and take it? Um, yeah, <laughs> that's the idea. So if, to me, it's not a surprise whatsoever. They're going to start waving it at some point in time. Oh, this thing can be had, but don't come knocking unless you're talking about you're talking about giving us something real nice. I mean, think about it. If even from the Cardinals' perspective. How Cardinals fans are torn over, okay, do you just take Will Anderson or Jalen Carter if he's there? One of them will be there. Yeah. Or do you trade the pick and it, because you're not one player away from winning the Super Bowl? Well, that's that's amplified with the Bears. They're picking first. They'll get a lot more if they trade the first overall pick. And it's basically the same thing. Do they like Jalen Carter or Will Anderson enough to just take the player? But they're not one player away either. I mean, there's a very good chance they if they stayed there and just took the, the, the pick, that the Cardinals would end up with the better of those two guys anyway if they stayed at three and took their pick. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, I, I honestly think that the Arizona Cardinals right now, having a franchise quarterback, they're sitting right in the catbird seat. They, they still have a real possibility, depending on what happens with those first two. Yeah. They have a real possibility of benefiting greatly if, in fact, they do want to move back. The question is, what do you want if you're the Cardinals? Do you want the Bears to trade the pick away? Nobody's trading up to take anything other than a quarterback. So if the Bears move the pick, you figure Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are off the board, and you have your pick of anybody in the draft. No, right? what you'd want is you'd want the Bears to stay right where they are. And then you trade. And that <laughs> okay. Exactly right. You're the one that everyone's knocking on your door. Because look, everybody, it's Bryce Young. <laughs> They're going to take him right there at number two. You know, maybe it's Jalen Carter goes number one, or even Will Anderson. You want the Bears to keep the pick, and then... The Cardinals will be sitting in the catbird seat, you would imagine, this, because the Texans will take a quarterback. This is where the, you know, peeling back the curtain for a second, the conversations that we're going to have about the drafts for the next couple months leading up to this are actually going to get pretty interesting because on, on the yeah. surface you're like, well, you're just going to be talking about, you know, two or three players. Well, not really, because if the Cardinals trade out of that number three spot, it's not like they're just trading out of the draft. They're going to be picking 10th or something, right? And then adding a few other picks or, you know, whatever. But they're going to be, I would assume, not making that trade unless they're still picking in the top half of the first round and then adding a few other picks. So you got to kind of know the entire first round and they pick so high in the second round. That matters as well. So you are... Your your instinct right there is you want the Bears to keep the pick so you can trade it for a King's Ransom at three. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you just answered your own question that you, you would rather I, trade the pick. I, I You know, I yeah, I guess that is it right there. That's your instinct. I, I, I guess it is because, the, the, listen, the Arizona Cardinals need a lot of help. Not just, not just on the edge. They need a lot of help. And you know what? If the Bears, if they go ahead and the Bears actually pick somebody, and now the Texans, the Texans aren't going to trade that because they need one of those quarterbacks. Either it is going to be Bryce Young or it's going to be C.J. Stroud, one of those two guys at number two. Now all of a sudden that does. It pushes it back to the Arizona Cardinals at number three, knowing they need a lot of help and they could pick up some really good picks trading back from number three. If the Bears were 
were to trade that pick before the draft, or I guess it doesn't even matter if they did it right at the start of, of draft night, at that point the Cardinals control the draft because you know the first two picks are going to be quarterbacks, get them off the board. But as far as all the other best players, honestly, man, even if Chicago traded the first pick, the Cardinals probably could still trade three, and, and you'd get at least a couple teams interested, but you wouldn't get nearly as much. So maybe it's not worth it at that point. All right, we are out here at Salt River Fields. We come back, we'll talk a little more baseball. How do the new rules in baseball this season specifically impact the Diamondbacks? Might actually favor them. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, live from Salt River Fields, on your home for Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Right, we are out here at Salt River Fields. It is Wolf and Luke on a Monday morning. Wolf, I, I haven't even told you this yet. I saw Green Day over the weekend. I'd never seen Green <laughs> Wait, Day before. I saw Green it. Day, yeah. I did. I, <laughs> okay, I, number one, Yes. I can't believe you actually did that. Number two, I can't believe you said that. You waited to actually say that to me. There's a lot of stuff going on At the 11.15 mark? Are you kidding me? I had to me? get into the ASU You game. actually saw Green saw Day. Saw Green Day. Packed, how were they? By the way, oh, they yeah. were good. They were good. They were yeah. really good. Yeah, it's bad. You forget how many songs they have. Like it's, I don't dislike Green Day. Obviously, they're yeah. not like I don't drive around listening to them a ton. But you know, you get to that point, and you're kind of like a music legend. And I had a way to get in there. Yeah, which, yeah I was gonna. Watch. Were there a lot of guys in button downs and dockers? Uh, no, but there were a lot of people. There's a lot of people in jackets because oh, it was cold. Okay, <laughs> There's a lot of people though. It was it was packed uh, by Tempe Town Lake on Saturday, but. Um, to baseball. We're out here at Salt River Fields and some of the rule changes. Now, okay, I know you don't like the pitch clock. Well, yeah, I don't. Do you like the other rule changes? I do. Okay. I do. I, I do actually, too. no, I, I the, the pitch clock. Um, you know, I like the pitch clock. Why? I, 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 why? I, 15 seconds? I get that 15 seconds might seem ridiculous, but I think in two or three years, it's not going to seem so ridiculous. And you just kind of have to put, you have to put a number on it. You know, like 15 seconds maybe is a little bit too fast. But how many times you watch a game and, you know, it's, it's the middle of August. It's two teams that have no playoff chance and you want to watch the game. But there's a minute and 20 seconds between actual pitches because the pitcher steps off, and then he looks back at first, and then the batter needs to readjust his left batting glove, and he steps back in. But now the right batting glove isn't right. The problem is we've gotten to the point where it's gone too far where I don't have a problem with how long a baseball game takes when I'm watching baseball. But when I'm watching guys look and just kind of stand around and think about playing baseball, you're going to lose some of your audience when you do that. And baseball needs to add to its audience. You have to adjust a little bit, and nothing they're doing this season seems too drastic to me where it's going to actually alter the game. Well, they're, they're altering the game. Already, but that's not the part how that it's played, bothers. Though. They're not that's, altering the foundation. Of see, the game. see, I totally disagree with you. The the foundation of the game of baseball has always been at a very mild tempo. It's been very. It's still going to be deliberate. Slow down. Let's it, put it that still way. Be deliberate. It can still Man, be deliberate. Did you watch any of it? Did you watch yeah. the fifteen I'm seconds? Watch some of it here and now. They're they're moving. Yeah. That's moving, man. When you got 15 seconds, 20 seconds of a runner is actually on, you only have two throwovers, two disengagements is what they call it right there. I love that. The terminology. I, I don't think we've seen a rule change 
changed the the game of baseball like this in the last two decades. Well, I think that's that's why I like it is the baseball is attempting to adjust to the times, and, and I think you got to be careful when you do that. You can't be adjusting to the person that's not ever going to love baseball anyway. I, to me, I think you're trying to adjust to make sure you you keep the people that already love your sport, and then you're more palatable to the next generation of people that will love your sport. I'm not going to I'm not going to change my game for the person that just sits on social media and complains about everything all day every day cuz they'll just complain about something else tomorrow. Sure. Uh, so maybe 15 seconds, maybe we'll see, maybe it is too fast, but I think the idea of of at least trying some new things that I don't think drastically alter the game. It's not like it's a seven-inning game. It's not like, hey, you start the with a strike. The pace of the game has always been a part of the, the game. Pace, you're right. The, the pace, that, that one is right on the fringe. But some of the stuff we've heard in the past where, hey, let's play seven innings. Hey, let's start with a strike. Hey, let's no, only there, have two there outs. Are. It's not that garbage. Yeah, no, there, there are. I don't mind putting a guy who's taking 40 seconds in between pitches. Somebody who's stepping off the, the, the rubber, um, you know, a dude that is taking off their cap and wiping their brow and rubbing the ball down. And, yes, we've, hey, look, everybody, look at me before I actually make a pitch. And that's the other thing, When there's a 37-minute half inning and nobody (laughs) scores, you're like, hey, it's still the top of the third, and it's still 0-0, and we're an hour and a half into this game. I just think 15 seconds is a little extreme. And watching the at-bats from uh, spring training, there's no doubt about it. It's like speed dating. That's what it's like. It's like speed dating. Have you ever seen... Now, listen, ladies and gentlemen, anyone that has listened to me over the last couple of decades, oh you know exactly that I was not a dater. I was not I was not one of these guys. I was not good at it. I was not bouncing around. I was not somebody that was out there. I, I, I was not. Okay? Definitely not a I, speed I admit dating. that. In a speed dating thing, what are you talking about? What are you actually going to do? And it feels like that. When you watch these guys, the pitcher gets, he's got 15 seconds. And the hitter, by the way, Manny Machado, you got to step into that box. You got to be ready to go with eight seconds on the clock. You got to be ready to go. Or it's an automatic strike, isn't it? <laughs> See, I, I want to get a feel for what it's like uh, here in the stadium today because I do think it'll be different than just watching a little bit on TV. But to actually be sitting here and being like, "Wow, they're just they're just plowing through innings here." That that will be different. Think of the postseason. Just I, I I know there's a lot of games that are going to be played, Wolf, before the postseason. Just think of the postseason. If this were carried over, of course, which it is, think of the high leverage situations and how awesome it is as you're hanging on every pitch. I don't think that has to change. I don't. But here, let, let's let's move off the pitch clock for a second and on to the uh, – this is Tori Lovello, again, Newsmakers last week, talking about just the rule changes in general. And this is more the bigger bases, uh, you know, the, the limits on how many times you can throw back to first if those benefit a team like the Diamondbacks. Here's Tori Lovello. These rule changes um, are going to, you know, they're trying to create a little bit of offensive excitement, like a little bit of stolen base excitement, and that fits right into our game plan. That's who we are. We're good hitters, and we're fast athletes that get around the bases as fast as anybody. So it should, like I said, it fell into our lap. So we're good already in that area, (laughs) but we want to enhance it by by checking the rules and and making it happen on a higher level and a little faster pace. 
Man, it really is. Uh, that, that's the incredible thing about this. Just the good fortune that the Diamondbacks have right now when you're talking about these rule changes being what they are. They, they've got young guys that are not just fast, but super fast in terms of the context of baseball. Super fast, Corbin Carroll. Super fast, Jake McCarthy. Jake McCarthy. Alec Thomas. These guys can flat out fly. And they run. They actually let them run, too. And not only that, they're contact guys. They're going to make contact with the base. They're not going to strike out a lot. They're going to make contact with the baseball. And that is something that I think this entire team we're going to see a lot of. It's part of the reason why the manufacturing of runs is going to be cool. Some old school baseball. We'll call it speedball. How about that? <laughs> we won't call it. We won't call it anything else. We'll call it speed. Is that ball. like speed dating? Yeah, exactly right. Why not the okay, speed that's, dating that's thing fun. that's going on? I like it. The pitch clock stinks. That's that's for sure. But all the other rules, the rule changes, the bigger bases. Oh man, the disengagements. You can only throw over twice. Oh, I love that. You like calling them disengagements. You've I, already the disengagements, man. I love that. <laughs> I still like my idea of you make the base a little bit bigger every inning until by the ninth inning it's like five by five and it just looks like a giant pizza box out there. But the the idea that the D backs could benefit from this, just kind of construct your team the right way at the right time. It's the second time that it has happened because moving the DH to the National League, which I didn't love on its surface, uh, but that helped the D-backs quite a bit already last year. We had Mike Hazen tell us that a few times last year. You had too many outfielders, basically. Sure. But because you had the DH, you could play a fourth one, and that's still going to be something that they have this year. I mean, they, they still have you still have Paven Smith. You still have Lords Correale now that you can move around. You still have Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll and Jake McCarthy, and you're going to need the DH if you're the D-backs because you're more of a spread out talent offensively as opposed to just going out and buying two or three superstars. You know what else I like too is the no shift. I, I like that as well. I want to see how that plays out. The fact they have the no shift right there. I, again, if you put the ball in play, I think it benefits the Diamondbacks. I think it will benefit them right there if you slap it around and you put it into play right now. And what I like about it as well, it's a rule that's got a little teeth in terms of, hey, listen, you know, you can't even run or you can't even run over after the pitch you can't you can't do that you can't run over before it you've got to wait till it comes out of the hand of the pitcher i I like the fact that they're really cracking down on it and giving it some teeth there's got to be two infielders on each side of second well the the other part of this and we'll get more into this later on in the show yes it, it it looks like on paper it would benefit a team that can just find ways to get on base and then speed around the base paths right I would think on some level it benefits a team that has a good enough defense to limit base runners, too. I mean, the D-backs should have one of the better defensive teams in baseball. Now, got to see what's up with the pitching and the bullpen, certainly. But, uh, but in terms of where this team is being built big picture... It seems conducive to the rule changes coming around in, in the uh, in the game of baseball this season. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, the Suns have some decisions to make when it comes to their rotation. So how's it going to play out, especially when Kevin Durant comes back? There are guys we didn't see yesterday. I thought a lot of us probably assumed we were going to see in the rotation. And if they're not playing without KD, I don't know how they're going to play with KD. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from Salt River Fields, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
All right, we are out here at Salt River Fields, and, of course, that is to talk some D-backs baseball. So I know I teased Phoenix Suns. We'll get back into that. But right now we're pleased to be joined by Ryan Nelson here, uh, not even on the Arizona Sports Line. Wolf, he's just sitting right next to us. Ryan, what's going on, man? Nothing much. We, um, D-backs fans, I think their their first impression of you was you were the guy that went into San Diego and just shut down the Padres last year. And everybody's like, okay, that's a pretty good way to make your major league debut. Um I know that was a while ago, but can you take us back to the emotions of that day? Not just, hey, I finally get to make a start, but I'm going to go out there and pitch a gem of seven innings. Yeah, no, that was that was awesome. It was even better that I got to have my whole family, a bunch of friends from back home, come out and make that trip relatively close to home. So a lot of people were able to make it, and yeah, it was... Uh, there's more than you could have asked for, for sure. Yeah. Ryan, I'm a 30,000-feet guy. I've got a big-picture approach, and I have to do this. I want a little context on you. Where were you born, and and did you play all three sports growing up? Yeah, I was, I was born in Henderson, Nevada, just outside of Las Vegas. Okay. And baseball was the first sport I played, and probably started around like four or five and then a couple years after that started getting into basketball and football and played all three sometimes all in the same day wow. at some points uh up until up until my freshman year of high school high school and then you started trimming back no i i only played baseball in you high school. only played baseball mm. in high school okay so when you were experimenting in football what position did you play I was uh, I played quarterback and uh, and some running back and then also played corner and safety as well. And that's not a surprise being a pitcher, right? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And what about basketball? When did you quit on basketball? Um, so I played all growing up, just like rec leagues and stuff like that. And then I played on my middle school team for two years and. I was always smaller than everyone else. And <laughs> when did you know, Ryan, you actually had a shot to become a Major League Baseball? When did you know you had a shot? Um, I mean, like two years ago, I knew that I was on the right path for sure. You still got to do a lot of things right, and right. stuff has to fall your way for sure. But um, a couple years ago, I knew it was... Uh, it was a good Can I ask you why, Ryan, you felt that way? Why did you feel that way a couple of years ago? What was it you were doing that allowed you to feel that way? Yeah, I mean, not that I didn't always believe that I could. I, I always had that belief in myself, but just uh, the way I was thrown in double-A, getting good hitters out, and uh, kind of put together a full season of really good work, and I was able to like reflect on that and realize that that was a good recipe for success and then I could do that at the next level against good hitters. It's just so cool right there. How much better did you get once you got to that point where you knew, you know what, I belong here. I can play with these guys. Did it take you off? Did you just totally take off on a upward trend on your career path? Um, yeah, I mean, there's still bumps in the road for sure. Like that was two years ago, and then last year, kind of, I went up to AAA and had a had a bit of a a rough a rough stint. But always having that belief in yourself and 
pushing yourself to work harder and continually grow every day is uh, is kind of what takes you there. Talking to Ryan Nelson. Uh, Ryan, you, you got a few starts in at the major league level last year. We talked about the San Diego one, and it, it, that was obviously a really good one. So now that, you, now that you've gone through it at the highest possible level, how different is the spring training experience? It's not like you've been pitching in the league for 10 years, but now, again, you know you can do it at the major league level, too, and you, you're in a pretty good uh, position to maybe be one of the starters coming right out of the gate, too. Yeah, I think it, it takes it takes a little bit of the uh, on, like the nerves off of it. It's not the like you've pitched in front of I've pitched in front of forty thousand fans now. I I know what that feels like, and there's still going to be those jitters and nerves like first time out in the mound and in a game. And if there's not those nerves, then it's kind of weird. But yeah. I think it it. Uh, kind of allows me to be more of myself than trying to do too much. The, the thing I've always wondered, specifically for a pitcher, I mean, I'm sure this comes up in other sports, but specifically as a pitcher, there's got to be guys that come up to the plate and you're like, I grew up watching this guy and now I'm pitching to him and everybody's watching that. that, that like, were the, Is there a player around the league where you're like, maybe you've already faced him, where you're like, I'm going to be facing this guy at some point this year? Oh, without a doubt. I think that's one of the cool parts is you get to uh, look at these lineups and you're like, man, like, Manny Machado, I've been watching this guy for years now, and I mean, there's so many players you could say that about, and it's it's a it's a true like honor to be able to like share the field with these guys, and even like my my first outing, uh, sharing the mound with Blake Snell, like yeah. that's a guy who I've been watching for a while, got great curveball, good life on his fastball, and he's a lefty, but like I'd like to mimic some of the things that he does, so I, it was it was really cool to be able to. Like, step on the mound and share it with him that day so i was a wedge buster i played 10 years in the the nfl and um getting ready for a game ryan that usually took about 18 cups of coffee um four hours of heavy metal music getting ready for the game <laughs> the way you prepare for the show into too. the tunnel <laughs> exactly and go play that that's what you have to do to get ready to play do you have any routines to get ready to pitch yeah um so I, I'm a really big Kid Cudi fan. So game game days, it's uh, it's all of my Kid Cudi music on repeat and on shuffle. And okay. I listen to it when I'm driving into the field, and then I listen to it when I'm stretching and in the locker room putting my cleats on. So that's that's kind of what locks me in. Nice, nice. Wolf Wolf's a big Kid Cudi fan. <laughs> really? That's awesome. Honestly, that was his nickname for a while on the show. <laughs> Um, He's totally locked. As as uh, as as far as this team this season, we were just talking about it last hour. There's a lot of excitement around the Diamondbacks just in general. You know, it's a tough division. Obviously, you know all this, but but there's there's a lot of young talent on this team, and with that kind of comes this thought of we don't know what the ceiling is like for this team. What's that like for you guys in the clubhouse? Yeah, definitely. I think there's still a lot of guys who um, have yet to even break the scene too like i think we have a very very deep organization with a lot of a lot of talent and it kind of just builds a, an excitement and a lot of guys are really just fighting for for jobs and trying to get out there and show that they can help us win and and i think it uh it's excited a lot of people i think fans are excited about it clubhouse is excited about it yeah. coaches are excited about it but there's there's definitely still a lot of work to do like we got to we have to perform and we have to go out there and know that we can perform. Where's your confidence level? Where's your confidence level coming into this spring? I, I've always liked to think of myself as a as a confident guy and I think you have to be that way to play this game. You have to believe in yourself and know that you can go out there and perform with the best of them. And I think that 
that's one thing that's helped me to this point is mm. just being confident in myself and in my abilities and trusting what I do. Well, Ryan, we appreciate the time, man. Good luck this spring and throughout the regular season as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ryan. That's Ryan Nelson joining us right there. When we come back, the front office is solidifying for the Cardinals. So what's next? We'll get into that. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to Salt River Fields. d back set to take on the Cubs here in about an hour and a half. It's Wolf and Luke on a Monday morning. Already got to talk to Dave Pash. Got to talk to Ryan Nelson here uh, out in left field. Kind enough to join us, and I would assume there'll probably be more guests here. Uh, Burns and Gambo out here this afternoon, and we'll be here again tomorrow as well. I remember Ryan Nelson. I remember talking to him last year after he had that monster game against the Padres, and it was uh, it was kind of a nice touch to the end of the season. That was part of what Tori Lavella was talking about that cut we played earlier, where they were starting to hatch something, as Tori said. Uh, let's get over the football though, and the Arizona Cardinals, Monty Austin Fort on Newsmakers last week with Bickley and Murata gave this as his takeaways for the current roster. There are definitely pieces in place on this team. There is, there is talent available on this team, and we need to add talent. There's, there's no question. We need, to, we need to turn over every stone uh, that we can to add talent and add competition to this roster. And so there's, there's many ways to do that throughout the season. Uh, and, it, and, it's, uh, and it's already begun. We've went through a week of unrestricted free agency meetings with our pro staff. We just finished yesterday with 10 days of meetings with our college staff. Uh, so we got through that. We're, gonna, we're, we're getting the coaching staff together, and, and we'll explain to them what their role is in the, in the evaluation process. And this is it right here. This truly is seeing the front office come together and solidify. And it's not just the people that I'm talking about. It's just what it is that you're going to do, your culture, how you do things, how you're going to go about your business. I love the fact Monty actually started with the pro personnel. They traversed a week of unrestricted free agent meetings, man. That's what they did. I can't wait to see who they bring back, Basin audience. Well, Let's see. What do they have? Thirty-one free agents. They they actually do. Uh, yeah. Some are restricted. Some actually have been. Um, some are are going to be. Yes, they're going to be brought back or or at least have the opportunity. Others are retired on that list and I'm as gonna, well. Going to read through all of them right now. No, I'm not. I'm not do that, but this, <laughs> there's a lot of there are a lot of change that is coming to this roster. There are some significant names on here, uh, and like you said, some of them retiring. A.J. Green's already on there as, as that. But, like, Zach Allen is a free agent. Um, let's see, Chris Banjo is now a coach <laughs> since that Monty Austin Ford It's incredible, cuts. isn't it? Um, you know, Rodney Hudson uh, on his way out, too. But there are there are guys like Greg Dortch, a restricted free agent. There are guys that were a part of this team last year, and you would figure that they would want to bring them back, or at least some of them. Byron Murphy and Zach Allen are at the very top of the list. Kelvin Beecham, those are the three main guys. But if you're the Cardinals now, what's the next step? You've got your yeah. coach. You've got your coaching staff. You've got your GM. It's been a busy couple weeks. Really, it's been busy since the second the regular season ended. But the work's not done.
not done, obviously. It's not just the draft coming up here either. Yeah, and it was really, it was just kind of surprising to me, and yet I shouldn't be surprised. But how quickly things were moving with Monty Ossonfort and the front office right here. They've got their unrestricted free agency. They've already done that. Ten days of meeting with their college staff for the draft. Now listen, uh, there's still a lot that is, is going on, a lot of scouting that is going on behind the scenes, of course. But the fact they've already done that, I thought that was interesting right there. And then, of course, bringing the coaching, in, the coaches in with this new coaching staff and getting an evaluation, um, getting evaluation from these coaches. I can tell you, based on the from team to team in the National Football League, the input of the coaches uh, on staff um, sometimes are it's valued more. With some teams and other times, they don't even ask them for the most part for what their their evaluation is. A lot of front offices that are very, very strong, very, very strict in what they believe, some of them will not actually get a coach's opinion or evaluation on a college player. <laughs> they don't want it. Uh, other other organizations other actually will open the door and say, hey, what's your opinion on this guy? Uh, here's Michael Bidwell. This is from the Dave Pash podcast last week, the Pash Pod. Uh, his conversation with Monty Austin Fort about this roster, because obviously Michael Bidwell is familiar with them. Monty Austin Fort, look, he knows about Kyler. He knows about the main guys, but that's a whole lot different than when you're in Tennessee and you just know about the players in the league or you are the general manager and you have a rebuild on your hands. So here's Michael Bidwell. Number one, we spent a lot of time talking about Kyler and what type of offense we should be running and how to protect him and where we should be spending our money. We've got a lot of money tied up in a couple of different positions. And so I think you're going to see that change. We're going to, I think you're going to see us beefing up the offensive line, the defensive line. We've got to get help at corner. Um, we've got to get a uh, just more protection for Kyler, sure. and then we got to be able to rush the passers, especially in the in the NFC West. So I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of changes, but they're not going to happen immediately, and they'll happen over the next several years as as we get opportunities to to build on the the draft class that's coming up. Yeah, there it is, right there. It's the line of scrimmage, man, on both sides of the ball. Michael is obviously all over it, but that that's exactly where this rebuild has got to start, and where they need to grow is on the line of scrimmage. And it's not just going out and getting some unrestricted free agents and bringing them on board. More importantly, it's the draft and filling the line of scrimmage with qualified young people that are going to continue to grow over the next four and five years on the line of scrimmage. This is what Michael was talking about, and it is exactly what's got to happen to this team. Well, we also heard Michael Bidwell last week say that that the reason, or at least the main reason, I should say, that they didn't uh, get Sean Payton was that they didn't want to trade all the, the, the draft compensation that the Saints wanted. And I just, you look at this team, Wolf, and you, and you hear what Michael's saying right there and what Monty was saying in the earlier cut of, you know, it's, they're not one player away. They're not two players away. And if you're looking to rebuild the offensive line and the defensive line, I just keep going back to that third pick. You take that third pick and you take it and you use it on Jalen Carter. Well, that's a pretty big way to rebuild your defensive line. Or if you go, you need an edge rusher like Will Anderson. There's not really an offensive lineman that would make sense in this draft to take at number three. And just given that and given Monty Austin Ford's background in New England, 
you could certainly see them trading the number three pick for, I don't know, like the 11th and maybe a first next year and a couple seconds or something and saying, you know what, no, we'll, we, that way we can get two offensive yeah. linemen, a defensive lineman, and a different edge rusher. Just the more I hear them talk, the more I feel like that's really, really in play. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with your statement right there. Um, what really is going to be fascinating to me, Luke, going forward, is just the fact that whoever they sign, especially the the free agents that they bring in, whether it's their guys on their team that they're bringing back or actually going out in unrestricted free agency, that's going to happen before the draft, of course. So because of that, whoever they go out and target, Whoever they get and bring onto their roster right now, it's going to be like a fingerprint to the culture of this team. That stuff starts, what, two weeks from Wednesday? Free agency starts yeah. two weeks from Wednesday. It's, this is not like some yeah. far off distance. Exactly thing. right, yeah. Luke. And because of that, once again, it's it's going to tell us who they value, what kind of player they value, what kind of skill set they value. It's going to be like like a fingerprint for this organization going forward. For Monty Austin, Forts, of course, and for Jonathan Gann. I almost wonder. Like, there are years where having free agency before the draft benefits you, and there are years where it's like, I kind of would prefer it was the other way. And then, you know, it's different for each team each year. But I almost wonder, if you're trying to rebuild, if you wouldn't rather have the draft first, see what falls to you in the draft, see what you're, and then kind of go out and, and start to fill the rest of the holes with free agents. I mean, it doesn't really matter because that's not the order it goes in in the NFL. But it's, I think it's more of a challenge if you're Monty Austin for it to go out there and find the vets through free agency and then plug the other holes in the draft. Because you don't know how the whole draft board's going to shake Yeah, up. you don't know how it's going to shake up, especially when you're talking about drafting for need. Yeah. And Monty Austin for literally said that. They are going to draft for need. And I, this is something that um, we kick around every year. Every year, best available player. We're going to take the best available player. And it's funny the way that works most of the time. And I've said this for absolute years. So much of the time, um, whoever you draft, it's not at a position that is strong for your team. <laughs> it's very interesting, isn't it? For the, yeah. for the vast majority, <laughs> the, the majority of the time you're you're drafting a guy high and guess what he that's at a position you actually need yeah you're not drafting a it's backup. funny the way that that happens all the time it's also but. funny how offended a lot of times like front office people will get like well i'm not just gonna draft for need i'm gonna take the best available that's exactly like, really? he was the best available player at the time sometimes so why doesn't chicago take a quarterback with the first pick there you go because it would be idiotic. you're not because it would be you're not going to do that of course so once again this is going to be a fingerprint and that's the fascinating part to me not who the drafted. I'm looking first at the unrestricted free agent class that is out there both for the Arizona Cardinals and of course for the National Football League that's coming up. What did you say? Two weeks from Wednesday? I believe so. It's yeah, coming March 15th. up. Yes, okay. Well, now all of a sudden you're going to have the opportunity to go out and tar- target individuals and bring them in. It's not just going to be the guys they're going to get to sign. It's also who the reported to go after that it's going to be very interesting to me. How great is that week going to be, though? I'm putting this together in my mind. So that week you're going to have NFL free agency. You're going to have March Madness starting up. (laughs) 
Kevin Durant's going to be playing for the Suns. I believe actually the rematch with the Bucks is that week, isn't it? I think it's that Tuesday. Yeah. So okay, so you got KD versus the Bucks. You've got March Madness, and you've got NFL free agency all in the span of a week, and it's only two weeks away. Yes. Yeah, I'm in. Okay. Sold. Uh, All right. We're all waiting. (laughs) We're always waiting. I feel like we're really we're just waiting on KD. If you start playing, then everything else will just fall uh, right into place. Uh, all right. You know what? We're normally going to do Wolf and Down your lunch next, but we're not. We're going to talk to Dre Jameson of the D-backs. That will be uh, next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.